Hello and welcome to the first and ten Chargers podcast. We're back after our draft, our very, very successful draft, actually. We're going to be talking all about the nine picks that the Chargers made, but I mean, I know that you're happy about one pick in particular, Ash, and I'm sure we'll come on to that later, but generally, we're pretty happy, aren't we? I'm absolutely ecstatic, to be honest. I've, I said it the other day, I'm a little bit in shock. I'm a to- I'm tired after, <laughs> after all the excitement and all the nervous energy, um, but yeah, what a draft. It's, it's probably... Pound for pound is probably my favourite draft as a Charger fan, um, just with the value, the players, um, and just with the plan. I can kind of see more of a vision than I've ever seen of why they've taken these players, what they've got in plan for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just absolutely ecstatic with with this draft. Yeah, no, I'd go along with that for sure. It's like you've got just good pick after good pick on this one and then some good value towards the end. And like you say, I think you can, you can instantly see... You know, maybe without saying that, oh yeah, I would have definitely picked, you know, if, if it was me, I would have picked all these nine players. I probably wouldn't. I probably would have gone different ways in some yeah. ways. But you can see, like you say, the plan, you can see the thinking, you can see the method behind it. Mm-hmm. And maybe like you say, in some senses, with some picks in the past, that's not been the case. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, maybe I'm thinking about last year in a couple of senses with that as well, and maybe a couple of bit the year before that. But yeah, with this one, you can kind of see there's a plan and they're executing it, which obviously is really, really positive because that's even though you don't agree with the, the picks per se sometimes, yeah. you want to see that, yeah, all right, I can see what they're doing and that yeah. gives you kind of confidence. That kind of sums up the coaching staff and how it feels at the moment, right? Yeah, definitely. They kind of feel as one unit. Like you've got Telesco, Staley, the scouts, the coaches and, and the players all kind of like, it's, it's kind of, they're all kind of going in the same direction um, and you just feel like, that they're the plan that they're trying to introduce everyone's going to be everyone's believing in it everyone kind of feels like this is the way to go and i think we've been talking about it for ages as well with what who we need and positions of need and stuff like that and i just think that you get you get a sense that that we're all getting on board as one even as even as fans as as everybody in the building that everyone's on board with with how Staley and Telesco are projecting this franchise to go. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing for me as well is, although there was one major project in free agency, but it was also followed on from the free agency as well. It doesn't, you know, we, we talked about like Telesco not being backed into a corner with some of the free agency acquisitions and things like that. Yeah. Obviously, like I said, the big project was to rebuild the offensive line. They obviously left one piece ready to fill, obviously in the draft, and they went out and did it. You know, the 13th pick went out there hit a home run straight away. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's the obvious place to start, really, isn't it? You know, Rashawn Slater at 13 feels like a massive bargain, especially when, you know, count back a couple of months and you've got people like Daniel Jeremiah putting him in there as the, like, second overall pick and, like, your yeah. second overall player on the board and things like that. Yeah. How has this happened? And obviously, how good is it as well? It's, I mean, he's probably, Saul was my was my number one. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah. Slate, but Slater is probably the most pro-ready from day one. Like, Saul can be the, the best tackle in the league. And it, uh, uh, I could still see that from Slater. But straight away now, from day one, I think he's the most polished. Um, he's, I mean, the best thing I can describe him as is just a technician. Mm. Like, good use with his hands and balance is like absolutely brilliant and athletically he's great yeah so day one he's he's going to be the starter from us absolutely no contest at all how we got to us i'll never know like i I think how it all started really was the bengals like how because they passed and they went chase it kind of just shunted the two tackles a little bit further down you can see by the reaction the lines when they got saw they were they were like, how has this happened? And I was thinking, well, Slater's not going to be far behind, if, if at all. Like, there was some people talking that he might even be the first tackle gone. Um, and obviously, once once the Bengals passed, obviously, everyone was looking at Detroit to trade down. And it was like, mm, they're not trading down. I was like, they don't need Saul, do they? They don't, they don't need Saul. And then they took him. I was like, ah, it's game over. We're not getting one of them two guys because someone's going to take Slater between now and when we're picking. Mm. And I was like, it's probably going to be the next pick, to be honest. And yeah, then that was the next candidate, wasn't it? Like Carolina, and I was thinking, well, he's probably gone. And then JC Horn, nothing against the pick at all. Loved the player. And if I'm honest, corner and tackle was probably their biggest need. And then when they went Horn, I was like, here we go. 
Broncos will definitely probably take him though because they could do with an, of an interior guy or a right tackle. They've got balls, but they've got not really anybody else. They don't really need a corner because they've got Carl Fuller. They mm. took Latane. I was like, right, here we go. He's up. And then obviously it gets to the Cowboys and then you you, you hear a trade and I'm thinking, oh, who's it going to be? Someone's going to move up for Slater. And then obviously the Eagles, it was the Eagles that moved up and you're thinking, well, it's either a wide receiver or it's, they've been struggling for them for, I mean, um, who was it? Uh, it wasn't Brown, is it? Who was their tackle? It's been forever. I'm sure oh, Jason Peters, he's talking about. Peters, that's it. Peters been a tackle forever, but they got Dillard. Um, but they still, they just had loads of injuries on that offensive line. You can plug and play them. But when the Eagles moved up, I think, I think it might be for Tawana Smith. And obviously he went. And then um, it was a little bit nervy when it got to like 11 <laughs> and 12. And I was thinking, oh man, someone like even the Cowboys could even take him. Do you know what I mean? And then obviously when they didn't, they moved down into Parsons. Um, and then obviously the Giants, the Giants were the one that I thought they were going to take us when it got to that point. So obviously it was, it was the Bengals first, then it was Carolina. And then for me personally, it was then the Giants. And I was thinking, get one's going to freaking take him any bloody idiot. And um, the Bengals trade up and I was like, Oh, uh, sorry, the bears trade up. I was thinking they're out of the picture now. So it's only going to be Dallas left. And then um, they took Parsons. I was like, please just take Slater. Do not bother <laughs> this up. And then, yeah, I, I, I was in a state of shock. I was online with um, a few um, few uh, Americans that I do the uh, fantasy podcasts and stuff with. And um, they were like, who are you open for? I was like, oh, it would be amazing if we trade up for Saul or or we get a tackle or be happy as Larry, uh, Elijah Vera's tackle, I'll be over the moon with. And then it got closer and they were like, Slate is still on the board. I was like, yeah, I know, don't say anything, don't say anything. Don't jinx it, don't jinx it. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Like I said, this this player is, obviously his dad is a basketball player, links with um, our special assistant from Northwestern as well. So I think we had, we had a lot of background information on the guy. If you spoke yeah. to, I think yeah, they did an interview after him and they were like, did you speak much with the charges? He was like, no, not really. Mm. Just probably a couple of couple of calls. Um, but we obviously had our we had enough on him. Obviously, he's been uh, I think three years starter, isn't he? I think. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he's played right tackle, left, and you, you've got enough tape on him to not not worry. And I think that because of the background of him with his dad basketball, like you've got this sort of athlete, the family, and then obviously getting having. Uh, Cody Gardier with our special assistant from Northwestern you've got more information you've got more of a background of this player because he's come over from Northwestern you can grab all this information off him and you know where to get it from so I think that the story of this draft as well is obviously just with the familiarization of everyone so you mm. can even see from the top where like Chase went with the Bengals and you've got Hurts getting his court um, wide receiver. You've got Tua getting his. You've got Lawrence getting Etienne. Like a lot of teams, they just stuck to players that they they could familiarise with and they knew more about. You did. You didn't get this random board like, mm. um, just because there was. It's just been one of them years where you haven't been able to get so much information and loads of information on all these prospects. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was wasn't one of them, wasn't it? Where you did think, well, oh, he's going to go now, and you kind of described it perfectly. Like I say, I think the the, the picks that also um, kind of the, the reasons for the picks as well. One of the reasons I reckon that Carolina took uh, Horn as opposed to maybe a tackle or maybe another corner is because Atlanta took Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. So I think that was actually I could take it maybe a pick earlier than Chase and say that was maybe a pick as well that set the ball rolling. Yeah, because yeah. they obviously they matched up against each other in the SEC for South Carolina and and uh, Florida. And Horn played pretty well against Kyle Pitts last year, and maybe it was a bit of a reaction to that. I'm not saying it's the whole reason why, you know, they kind of looked for the antidote straight away kind of thing yeah. um, to Kyle Pitts. But I think it did have an influence on them. And like you say, I was was pretty shocked when uh, they didn't take him because, like you say, tackles definite need for them, especially with, I mean, a quarterback that's not exactly known for his mobility, is he? He's not like a slouch, but I mean Sam Arnold, but he's not known for running and scampering out the pocket and, you know, getting yards with his feet, so... Yeah, kind of all just fell into place with those 13 picks. And like I say, I, mean, I think you summed up perfectly. You can see that basketball player in Rashawn Slater with like the foot speed, like his light feet and things like that. And also, the like you say, the technical aspect of hand usage and things like that. And yeah. we know that he's been training with Duke Merriweather the whole year rather than play for Northwestern. What, yeah. 
which, you know, some teams definitely bought a lot into that, didn't they? A lot into the, the opt-outs and um, just kind of took them off the board in some ways. Maybe another reason why Seoul fell to the, the Lions and, you know, again, another reason why things kind of fell our way because, yeah. like you say, they were, they couldn't be more, more excited to take Seoul, could they? And, and they were giving high fives and everything like that in their their uh, war room. So yeah, it all fell into place. And I think, like you say, hopefully, fingers crossed. I maybe shouldn't say this, but you know, I think I saw a tweet of someone saying it's the Chargers' best left tackle since Marcus McNeil or something like that. I'd agree. Hopefully that we hopefully we've got this sorted now for the next you know decade or so. And you compare him with Herbert, and you kind of just sorted on that. And it does you know fall into place with the offensive line. Obviously, we'll come on to another another piece there later on with. Obviously, the rebuild that went on in there, and yeah, so hit the hit the home run straight away on on night one. It definitely, and it just got it got the juices flowing, didn't it, for everything else? Like, it, if I'm honest, if we just came away with Slater, and then everyone else was like, "Yeah, the, uh, I'd have still been out. I was still giving this probably a B as a draft class, even yeah. if it was just Slater and a and a bunch of nobodies." But yeah, it was like just to get that left tackle. You obviously you want. You want that guy to protect Herbert. Herbert's the most important thing with this franchise now. So having him, and they've just gone about it the completely right way this offseason. It's like cornerstone piece Lindsay, cornerstone piece Slater, and you've got players like Filer um, and a couple of other guys as well that are going to come in. And it's, it's complete revamped. If we can keep Balaga fit as well, like you're talking about probably hopefully a top 10 offensive line which I don't think I've ever been able to say anything like that about us never, never. donkey years, donkey years. Yeah. yeah no absolutely it's never never been a strong point but the you know what like taking a bit of a segue away from the charges a little bit some of the really bad offensive lines got quite good in this draft or on paper at least it is like the Vikings yeah. I thought got much better you know, getting Wyatt Davis, getting Darasaw. I thought yeah. it was the, the the actual, I thought it was the pick of the round, actually, when they traded back and still got Darasaw nine picks later. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was really, really, really good from Rick Spielman. But, you know, not not looking over there enviously at all because obviously we, we got the Sean Slater and yeah. obviously can't compare, uh, can't complain at that at all. So, yeah, obviously, like I say, we, we hit the hit the home run with the 13th pick and did, another, did it again at 47 with, with Asante Samuel. Yeah, I said to you, didn't I, we was... Day two started, and obviously, you're, you're hoping for a couple of players. There was probably four or five on the board that for the we were hoping for. And obviously, everyone, every Charger fan knows it's been left tackle 13, corner at 47. Like it's been like that for every podcaster, every fan. Yeah. Um, and it very rarely wavered from that. Um, and then I said to you, there was it was about pick 40, 41. And Derwin, I followed Derwin James on Twitter, and he put his put couple of googly eyes out and I was like that can only mean one thing because I was like he he was at Florida State I was like they're going to take Asante Samuel if he's there I'm telling you now I think the Chargers had an inkling anyway that because kind of GMs and stuff do they kind of know what's coming before the picks are announced anyway so Mm -hmm. sometimes you, you see like two or three picks they're behind on the NFL when you're watching it so you had defeat but when it come up with the with the eyes and I was I text you I was like they're going to take Asante Samuel here, mate. That unless someone comes out of the blue and snipes them right at the end, that's their pick. And obviously, it was like absolute. It was. It was. If I'm honest. It was like dreamland. To be yeah. honest, like we've been saying it for a while. We can get. I didn't expect Slater to be there, and then no. most recently, like Asante Samuel's been pushed into first round of mocks. Like you had it in a few a few mocks of some big analysts saying Asante Samuel's probably going to be like the fourth corner taken. Yeah. And obviously, like the two Georgia lads went before him, and I think even the Kentucky lad went before him yeah, as well. He did. Yeah, yeah, Joseph. Thought, yeah, yeah, which I thought, oh, he's probably going to be gone next. But to be the third corner in date in the day two, I was like, wow, like I, I cannot believe. I mean, he's got everything like the perfect guy really for for Staley to use, like fluid, feisty. Um, but I think his best attributes, to be honest, is is ball skills. So like. Yeah. What he's going to do for us is is create turnovers, which we've struggled to do in the secondary really at the, at the recently. So it's always something that's since Hayward's drop off, we haven't really got that back. So um, just to have him around and have Derwin on the field as well is just going to be unbelievable for that secondary next year. Absolutely, it's like you know, obviously you didn't see this at the time, but obviously the video 
um, of uh, Brandon Staley on the phone to him and saying like Derwin James been pounding the table for you and things like that. It's been in the pipeline for a long time. Like you say, Derwin is. I get the feeling that Staley is going to make Derwin a very very central figure in the franchise. You know, you you see him in interviews, don't you? He, yeah. he's, he, his eyes light up. I think we've talked about it in the past. He's always mentioning him. He's always on the social media, on the videos and things like that. Yeah. And obviously he's had some input. I'm not going to say he's really, really influential in the in the, the picking of these players, but he's definitely had some influence, you know, for him to mention it. Um, and especially like when he's been bigging up his boy and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, as, as day two was unfolding, obviously we started off with the 33rd pick. I mean, I came into the day, I probably said to you, you know, about the three corners that I wanted or one of the three. Tyson Campbell, Asante Samuel, or um, Melifonwu. Mm-hmm. 33rd pick, Tyson Campbell goes off the board. I'm thinking, all right, that's only two bullets in the chamber now left to go. So you're feeling like it's quite far away from 47 at that point. And then, you know, you're thinking, you, you start to think, all right, maybe not, maybe we're not going to get one of these two, maybe these guys are going to go. And you know, maybe we were thinking about these safeties that we were thinking about. You know, so you've got Richard Grant there, you've got uh, Morig as well. And then they start disappearing off the board and you're thinking, oh my God, there's no one left who I actually want. Yeah. You know, who, who are we actually going to get? And then there was a couple of picks that I was a bit like, don't know why they've done that sort of thing. You know, I mean, the Walker little pick, I'm not a huge fan of, but Jacksonville had already taken the corners. They weren't going to take another one. And like you yeah. say, the Kelvin Joseph pick, I was a bit like, yikes, that's like, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I was really happy when Dallas got, you know, that got, got him instead. And then it left, like you say, Jacksonville weren't going to take a corner. Cincinnati weren't going to take a corner. They had bigger fish to fry. Yeah. You know, especially because they hadn't gone left tackle with the fifth pick. Yeah. Again, so Cincinnati have done his right solid for both of these rounds. Yeah. With the, with the Jamar Chase pick. Yeah. And then he's right there. So you, again, you're kind of fearing Dallas both times in both rounds. Yeah. And they, they went in other directions. So yeah, like you say, I mean, I think he'll be a great fit in the defense, like you mentioned. I think he'll be a great fit culturally as well. And yeah. I think he would be a really good um, kind of uh, foil and oh, what was the right word I was thinking of? He'll be the right complement to Michael Davis because they're different. They're really, really different and you can mix and match and, you know, you can take away weapons on the, op- on the offense that they're playing and yeah. mix and match these DBs that we've got to, to suit us and to take them away. So, yeah, him doing, obviously we've got Nass hopefully coming back and being stronger next year and, and better. Obviously got Chris Harris hopefully back to full health as well. So really strong looking um, DB unit yeah and uh, yeah like you say San Samuel the, the perfect pick that we picked off um, a couple of weeks ago before the draft and like you say at this point you're just thinking how can this get any better mm-hmm. you know and to be honest with you I went to bed after the second round so I didn't know <laughs> until the morning but yeah, 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 like, but, yeah I mean yeah was, go on sorry we looked at free agency it was just before, when free agency kicked off and we were like they they cut Hayward. They hadn't re-signed Davis at that point. And we were like, whoa, this this could be a real, this could be horrendous for us if we don't sort this out. And obviously we got Davis back on an absolute steal of a deal. Telesco mm. worked his magic. Um, and then obviously to get Asante Samuel, it's just you've just absolutely nailed it. So I, I personally think that they'll use Samuel as an and it's, it's big fills to shoot, um, shoes to fill. But I think that they're going to use him as the player that they can roam with, with, with the um, like basically match up like they did with Jaden mm. Ramsey. I'm not saying he's Jaden Ramsey, but Staley, you're a Florida State guy. Yeah, I think Staley will Staley will use Samuel as the guy that they're going to stick on on their main dude and say right, well, because he's the most fluid, he's the best tackler, <laughs> um, and he's got the best ball skills. Like Davis is great, he's great corner, but he's more of an outside guy. Um, speed, turn, get yeah. your head round. Um, and then with Harris, he's pro- he's obviously the, our most complete, most experienced, but as he got the legs to, to run in, in with all the other guys. So I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of pressure on the lad already, but I could, could really see Samuel coming out of the gun and just be like, whoa, this, this, this kid can play and be a real playmaker for us from day one. Definitely. I mean, he's he's obviously been around the game the whole life. Like he's always been a DB, and mm. you've heard Asante Samuel Senior come out and and say these things. You've seen videos and things like that. He, he's been bred to play this position. You know, he's been yeah. around the game his whole life, as I say. So I don't think he's gonna. I think he, I don't think he'll shrink under that pressure. You know, of being that, the guy if that's yeah. what he is. You know, I don't I don't know if you could say because we're using the terms DB as we as Brandon Staley is. I don't know if he'll be the guy out of the DBs. Obviously, we've got Derwin, but. 
I don't think he'll shrink under the pressure even in his rookie year. I think he'll be here ready to play and ready to perform as well. So, yeah, really excited, like I said before, about the, the DB core, about how, how they can do and how, honestly, they can use them as well because it's like one of those things, isn't it, what we've been saying for a while now, that just can't wait for the season to start and just see this defence yeah. in particular. I mean, we were excited about the defence last year. And then I don't know what we're going to be like in, in six months' time or one well, not that long, actually five months' time or something like that when we're watching this defence eating each week and seeing Definitely. it grow and get better. Definitely. So then we move on into the third round where we obviously had a couple of picks. I mm-hmm. uh, went ahead and we got Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. And then we followed up with Trey McKitty, the tight end, out of Florida State. Florida State becoming like a bit of a fixture um, throughout this podcast and obviously in LA as well with Jalen Ramsey and things like that as well. So obviously built a link up and um, obviously went for, came from Georgia as well. So got a little bit of background for both of those schools. Um, well, how do you feel about these picks? Because um, they've grown on me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be yeah, honest, they've, they've grown on me. Yeah, they've grown on me too. Like I had a sneaking suspicion they would attack wide receiver earlier than we wanted them to. Um, just I had that inkling that they might go in the third round, if I'm honest. Um, and if I think that if Samuel wasn't there, they could have even gone wide receiver in round two, but he was obviously just amazing. He was just a clear guy, too yeah. good to resist. Um, so I did think that they would address wide receiver earlier than maybe we wanted them to in the draft. But getting Palmer, I mean, we did talk about him. We dropped him on our day three pod, didn't we, when we mm-hmm. were talking about him, that he'd just come basically come to the surface a little bit and just got a little bit more momentum. Um, but the, the thing what I love about Palmer, obviously they've got a plan for him, which is, you mentioned it before on our pod as well, that that maybe they we're looking for insurance for Williams. Obviously you were talking about what kind of guy, we don't need a speedy guy, what kind of wide receiver would you want? Um, and we took Des Fitzpatrick at the time. Um, and then, the more research I've done, obviously, on Palmer, I knew a little bit about him when we did our day three pod, but I, and I mentioned it there that he did really well against the strong opponents. I mean, in the yeah. SEC. So he, I'll rip these down. It was 101 snaps against Satane, Horn, Stokes, Campbell, and Joseph. So put that into context, they're the five DBs that went before Asante Samuel. So Palmer's played against all of them this year, 14 of 14 catchable balls. 11 first downs, four touchdowns, and 16 yards per reception. So, I mean, you're talking about someone that that's, that's shown on tape that he can go against these guys. So, I don't think it's going to be too much for him. Like, I just think that maybe because of maybe the talent of the wide receiver group, that maybe he just got pushed down. But I, I still think that I think there's probably a lot of people in like GMs and, and other franchises that they were a lot higher on some of these players than maybe the public knew about. Yeah. And I think Palmer was probably one of them because when, as soon as he got taken, everyone was like, it's it's not that early. And we were like, well, I, I, we thought it might be two rounds early, but obviously yeah. it clearly wasn't. So yeah, it was, I think that it, it gets to the point when you start, I mean, Telesco does it a lot. When you get into sort of round three, round four, round five, you, you kind of, you take your guys because you know that if you don't, the the likelihood is they're not going to be there when you when you come back. So I think they just needed to address that wide receiver position, and, and they they nailed it. If I'm honest, at 77. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd I'd agree. He, he's definitely grown on me. Like I say, I think we mentioned him. I don't think we mentioned him like in massive detail when we did our day three pod. I think we mentioned him kind of in passing. I know I was higher on a couple of guys who went much later. So uh, maybe that's on my failing rather than Tom Tesco's, but. Yeah, since I've signed, kind of like dug a little bit deeper, obviously the Chargers have released some highlights and I've watched some more tape on him. I'm really impressed, really, really impressed. He's got that, almost that ability that I was kind of describing Diami Brown with in the same way, and who did go in the same sort of range, that he's not like the biggest guy. He's not like a Mike Williams, six foot four, 220 kind of guy. He's pretty much exactly the same like size as Keenan Allen, actually, mm. in terms of his height and weight when he was coming out. He ran a pretty similar 40 time, although Keenan was injured when he did that. But he has the body control and the leaping ability and also the positional awareness with the way he positions his body versus the corner to, yeah. to make the catches that Mike Williams does and make the, the, the plays that Mike Williams does. Maybe not in a spectacular way like he does, but he, he could be that replacement, I'm thinking, 12 months down the line. I'm not thinking that he'll... I think that all three of them will play together a fair bit because I think, like, considering his draft position versus the draft position of the likes of... Joe Reed and KJ Hill. I think he goes straight in as 
wide receiver three, wide receiver four, maybe, you know, vying with um, Johnson and, and Guyton, yeah. depending on how well the training camp begins. But I think he's got a real chance to be on the field a heck of a lot. Yeah. And also another real bonus of it is it pushes Keenan into the slot a lot more. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I don't know, 10 years ago, that would have been obviously seen as a terrible thing of why you're putting your wide receiver one in the slot all the time. But we know how good Keenan Allen is in the slot, you know. Yeah. And then you've got Mike Williams on one side and then you've got Josh Prime on the other. And then the other thing is, like, and one thing that maybe made a lot of the public, as you mentioned, a bit lower on Josh Palmer, is I don't think he's ever broke 600 yards in a season. But yeah. obviously, you play on Tennessee with Jarrett Garantano as your quarterback, not yeah. Justin Herbert. Yeah. So maybe, you know, when he gets a bit of an upgrade in the talent around him, I mean, Tennessee had a terrible, terrible program, but yeah. poor quarterback play over the past few years yeah. um, since he's been there. You know, he's getting an upgrade in that, getting an upgrade in the guys around him. He's obviously become a, going to become a pro. He's going to have Keen Allen, you know, to kind of teach him, take him under his ring, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think this guy's going to be really good. I think he's going to have a really productive season. I've been taking him in a few fantasy drafts, actually, and dynasty yeah. drafts that I've been doing over the weekend and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, look, we touched on it earlier about the connections. Obviously, Ainsley was at Tennessee, is, and he's obviously part obviously Palmer taken from Tennessee. So you've got the, another connection there. You've got more info on play on these players so we've obviously done our research on on the whole class as a whole but when you can get more information on these prospects at positions that you're touting on and looking at and you've got these guys in the building that can add to that it's it done half help so i think that that's another thing where they've touched on the information they can get because it was a hard year to get all the information all the tape all the mm-hmm. all the pro day numbers all the medicals everything was coming in late everything was happening it was it was chaos they said yeah so to have have information that your own franchise knows because you're in the building and you've worked with these kids before it's it's, it's really helpful so again probably another reason why they had so much trust to take palmer and take him as early as 77 yeah yeah i think you summed up really nicely a moment ago um when you said you just don't mess about right you just go and get your guy if you love him doesn't matter what the media thinks about him, doesn't matter what the fans think about him. If you think he's like right for the picking at 77, then just go and take him. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with doing that. <laughs> and you know, the media might say, oh, it's a reach, it's a reach, it's a reach, blah, blah, blah. But if he goes out and he gets like 700 yards next year, that's going to be an outstanding rookie season, especially considering yeah. that he'll be the number three receiver, or even maybe the number four receiver after Nos Neckler. Yeah. You know, if he does something like that. So yeah, I'm all for it. And um, yeah, I'm 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 really excited to see him actually. I, um, I really hope he wears number five as well because I think that'll just look really cool going back to the, the NFL numbering thing. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the rookies don't have to pay anything to this, so nice. they can go in and they can go in and wear number five. I think that'll look really nice. Um, but yeah, obviously, got Trey McKissie then 20 picks later at 97. Yeah. Got to be honest, this is the one that's grown on me the most, I would say. This is the one I was probably lowest on out of the two third round picks. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously we need to address tight end. I didn't expect them to, after you've kind of gone past probably the first three picks, I would say. And that would have been early, obviously, to take a tight end. I wasn't expecting to address it till much later. I thought we would have maybe seen like a sixth or a seventh or something like that, or maybe even a fifth. So I thought this was early. But he's the sort of tight end that Brandon Staley wants. You know, he's this bigger-bodied tight end. He's going to be able to do a bit of the blocking. Because obviously, none of the other guys that we've got on the roster yeah, blockers. <laughs> so I think it's one of them where, with, with his body type obviously being that bigger guy... I just feel like maybe they did reach for it a little bit. Maybe they went and gone and got their guy who had their body type because after that, there wasn't that many of these guys left who can also do a bit of the, the sort of movable stuff and vertical stuff as well. Because this guy's an athlete, you know, he can block, yeah. he can run. Um, he's not, you know, he's not got the biggest stats or anything like that. He's not managed to showcase that ability to, to run and catch and score touchdowns and things like that. But in, the, in a way, that is also not a bad thing because in the NFL, that can come. Whereas the blocking stuff, if someone's not got the want to in the blocking department, then they're yeah. probably not going to ever get it. It's like trying to make a, uh, uh, an offensive line more aggressive or something like that. If they don't have that natural aggression, then they're not going to learn how to do that. It's like a, a trait thing, like a personality trait thing. So I feel like, you know, with that can offset the likes of Jared Cook and Parham and, and, and you know, whoever else we bring in there. Because let's be honest, that... We've just been talking about Josh Palmer. I mentioned a whole bunch of wide receivers there a minute ago as well. You've got Austin Eckley, you've got a couple of running backs there. There's a lot of balls to go around. You're not going to need a tight end to do that much in this offense, I don't think. Yeah. No, so you... you get that wide tight end, the guy who's going to be in line, he's going to be able to block and be that sixth offensive lineman. And this is yeah. what you've got. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I think what also brought him to the basically to the public eye was the senior ball. Mm. I think that there was a lot of people down there that said he had a really, really good week in Mobile. So maybe that obviously we know Telesco loves going down there. Like, yeah. and again, like that senior bowl just did wonders for some of them prospects because there's some of them had very little tape or any games that year. Like, and they, they went down there and showcased what they can do against other prospects that are highly touted. So, mm. and Telesco, like, he, I, I think that maybe you might have learned that you try, if you can, if you're going to project, at least project with people that you can see him against peers that have been playing at a high standard as well. So I think, like you said, he's a projection, but that senior bowl, he, he performed very well down there. And I think that did help his stock and, and raise him up the draft boards. Yeah, 100%. I think it was something like 41% of the draft or something like that came from the senior bowl or something ridiculous like that. Obviously, you know, you've got opt-outs that haven't played all season. Some of them went there. That was the latest tape that a lot of these teams had, plus a lot of GMs buy into that event as a whole. Plus, the other thing as well, this year, out of all years, you're probably not going to want to take a chance on someone that you've only got a year's worth of tape on because they're a junior or a registered senior. Yeah. You're going to want someone who's put two or three tape, two or three years of tape, even if they're an opt-out and they're, they're a senior. You know yeah. what they've done. You know they've got that body of work and that sample size to look at. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that the senior ball did really well. And, you know, it's a great event as well. So, um, you know, and we know that the Chargers do love to pick a player from there as well. It kind of right in Tom Tesco's wheelhouse. So, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm happy with that one. Um, like I say, it's one I was probably lowest on out of all the picks, I would say, especially at the value. But, again, going back to what we said right at the top of the pod, we can see the plan. We can see why he's taken him. Mm-hmm. It's not just a case of I wasn't on my board X amount of, you know, X ranking and I had this guy and this guy and this guy ahead of him. It's what we're actually going to make him, what we're actually going to do with him. And I think that's going to be something positive. So I'm going to hand over to you then for the fourth round pick because I think this is your guy. I don't uh, think I'll do it justice. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I said to you earlier, like I, I got in from work on the Saturday, stick the TV on, I'm ready for the day three. And my obscene come out of my mouth. Like I could not believe they took him. Like, I've literally been banging on about this kid since about January saying, if, you, if you're looking for value, if you're looking for value, this guy's the this this is the kitty. I mean, they interviewed him straight after. You can already tell character is off the charts. Yeah. Like yeah. he is infectious. His energy is infectious. Love of the game. Um, and I listened to um, David Cutcliffe, uh, the Duke head coach. He raves about him just as a locker room guy. Um, so I think that straight away already you've got you're going into a room into a culture. And you've got a player that's going to want to learn, willing to learn, wants to play the game, infectious. Um, his dad's a D-line coach. Um, he's been it for 18 years. So if he, if Rump's not learned anything from his dad, then he needs to seriously listen to his dad a bit more. I mean, he's a current D-line coach of the Bears, but he's worked at Clemson, Alabama, Florida, Texas, Tennessee. Like he's, he's worked with some prestigious programs. Um, and Ainsley as well, who's our secondary coach, he's worked with him. Um, at Tennessee so obviously again you've got info 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 like we said about like the kid there's cons with the kid of course there is like he's light he can get bullied in the run game because he doesn't set the edge well and his enthusiasm can sometimes get him caught out like he's eager and he kind of gets caught out of position sometimes he's got and you see him run around the background sides and trying to make plays because he's just he wants to make plays for your team but you kind of got to remember it the kids are fourth round pick. So you're not going to get an established does everything edge rusher because he'd be gone. He'd be pick 20, pick 21. Like he'd be gone off the board already. Also, obviously he's a junior and obviously everyone's like, his tape's not that great this year, but you got to remember 2020 wasn't great for anybody. Like, like none of us have done, have had great years and these prospects, you've got to give them a little bit of slack from what they had to do last year. I'm not saying that you shouldn't look at the 2020 tape because obviously every game is important. Mm. But if you look at his 2019 tape, the guy's a monster. Like he's unbelievable. Like I, I, you could this, this chalk and cheese between the two tapes. And that's probably maybe why he fell to the fourth, because if you take his 2019 tape, he might've even been gone in like end of round two, early round three, because he, as if you look at his stats, they're just undeniable. So over the last two years, 21% possession, uh, 21% uh, 
QB pressure rate and a 26% pass rate, win rate. And that is first amongst edge rushers in college football. So you're talking about a guy that wins a lot of battles when he comes one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, 17 and a half sacks, 33 tackles for loss, 52 tackles in three years as a freshman. And he started three years because they loved him so much. He came on the field as a freshman. He was their sophomore. He's there as a junior. So, I mean, there's so much to love about him stat-wise. But obviously, you go back to the tape, you want to say, well, why is he doing this? Why is he so good? The main things I love about edge rushers, hands and eyes. So his hands, he's got great hands. If you watch some of his tape, if you see Joey Bosa, when Joey Bosa does the stuff, like like you've seen him do it, like with, I think he's done the... A halftime thing or after the game he did it with Chase on when they were they were talking he'd done the thing with Talib. Mm. If you see if you see Rump, he's he's very much like that. He's a quick swat off to get a bit get um get some balance and knock knock the lineman off. And then you've got he's got great twitch um and he'll never give up on the plays. Um and then coming back to his eyes he trusts himself. So I like my edge guys or especially my defensive players to trust their instincts. Like if they're good, if they've good players have been well coached, trust yourself that you can make plays and do the, do the right thing. And what I love about him is sometimes you can get caught out of it, but I'd rather that than him just not develop into what I think he's going to be. So I think that some of the stuff that you can see with him with trusting his instincts, going for things. And that's why he's putting up all these stats because he's straight off the cuff, gone like he does a there's loads of stuff there that you can love about the guy so yeah the, i mean i personally think as a fourth round player i think that there's a lot there's a lot more there to love than not yeah i mean i um i did the edge rushers for the full 10 yards draft guide and i had a fourth round grade in him so it's pretty much bang on value wise for what i thought it was going to be i just pulled up while you were speaking i just pulled up the actual report i did on him and you've hit a lot of the things i said you know he's Massive anomaly in terms of his size. I don't think he can get away from that. He'll be able to put on, you know, he's put on weight since the end of the season. I think he'll continue to do that. He might be able to go up above um, 250. I think he weighed in at uh, 244. I think he'll be able to put a little bit more on. You know, I think his legs are quite skinny. I think he can put some more muscle on his legs without taking away from his, his speed massively. Because that's where he, that's where he's going to make his hay, isn't it? You know, he's got that speed around the edge. Yeah. He's never going to be handing the dirt guy, but he does move around the formation. You know, he yeah. does move around on a, from a stand-up position. He does move outside, does move inside, does a lot of stunts and twists and things like that. And do you know what? In in one sense, his size is actually to his advantage because he can get really, really skinny through the gaps. Yeah, and he can get through and, and penetrate the offensive line from that. Yeah. I don't know if he'll ever start. I don't know if you've got a different opinion on that long term. I think he'll always be a situational pass rusher, be just because of his size. Unless he, unless he finds a way to really bulk up. I don't know if his frame will really allow him to um, without him becoming a completely different type of player. Yeah. But do you know what? Like you say, you can get another guy. And like we were talking about before we came on, we want Mosu to start. We want him to be the guy. We, we've been kind of wanting him to be the guy for a couple of years. We've had Melvin Ingram. And now you've got Rumpf to kind of just be this change of pace guy, just be this guy who you can get on these NASCAR formations where you're going to get a whole bunch of red rushers on long and late downs and just let him pin the race back and go. And he's going to be part of that. He's going to be a really interesting player. And do you know what? I think he'll, you know, one of these years, he'll be one of these people that will surprise everyone. He'll get like 10 or 11 sacks. He might not do it every year, but I think we can count on him for six, seven sacks, maybe early on in his career, maybe not next year. But, you know, once he becomes established, I reckon you can count on him for six or seven and they'll have one year where he'll just go absolutely insane. and He'll get 10 or 11, maybe even 12. I mean, I trust this. I trust the coaches as well. That, sure. be, yeah. that they've got a plan for him. Like you could tell straight away that that was what Staley wanted. That sort of guy. Um, and I just think that fourth round value with the stats that he's put up, you can't. What, what I don't know what else you want. Like you, you there's, there's you need you need edge guys in this league. You yeah. need guys that can defend the pass. That like defending the run. It's now seconds to the defend in the pass. Yeah, Daly's even mentioned it. Like they, if you're going to throw it 50 yards downfield, I want someone that's going to be able to stop that rather than someone that's going to be able to stop someone running it two yards or three yards every go. So for him to come in, I think, like you said, nail on the head. I think he's going to be coming in. He's going to be the situational guy. You're going to see him a lot next year in on special teams. You're going to see him a lot in third and longs. 
It might even be a lot of Eagle France where you've got two edge got uh, three edge guys out there. So you've got two two defensive tackles and then you've got th- three edge guys. And like you said, he's so thin that you uh, you see it a lot on tape where he he takes a step on the outside and then he shoots in between the tackle and the guard. So he kind of rushes like a three four uh, a, th- a three four defensive end when he s- s- slips into that gap. And I think there's developmental things there where yeah, if if he doesn't def- if he doesn't be as good as his development against the run. You can still, if he, if he can develop maybe his coverage game, you can still see him as one of them drop linebackers mm. that you don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to rush or is he going to drop? So there's still stuff that you can say. If he, he's got something to his game that is probably the most important thing for an edge, which is can he get after the quarterback? Yes, that is 100% what he can do. Can he stop the run? He's not great at it. I'm not going to try and defend him that he's amazing at it. But can he develop into it? Of course he can. Like he might have to add a bit of weight, and he might not be on the field every down. But he can. He could still do. You see him a couple of times, especially when they're doing inside, maybe not outside zones, because he doesn't set the edge very well. But if they're rushing through the middle and he can squeeze through the gap, he can be one of the bodies in there to stop the inside run. Hmm. But there's nothing saying that he he couldn't develop his game to be able to be a very very good coverage edge. Hmm. So you never you don't you. Because he's not, he didn't do it a lot of Duke doesn't mean he can't do it. So let's let's give the kids as much enthusiasm as he can bring to the franchise and just see where the ball rolls. Because I think as a fourth round pick, I think it's an absolute steal. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've been enthusiastic about him together, and we hear a lot of the time. I think you've been uh, well, well and truly front and center of that hype train, though. But yeah, I, I definitely see that. I definitely agree with a lot of things that you're saying. I think the the, the point about him developing into a coverage linebacker as well is really interesting because obviously it's something that Brandon said is scheme relied on when he was in the Rams as well this ghost coverage where you don't know who's coming a lot of yeah. people kind of being in the box and dropping out and things like that so confusing the quarterback so much so um yeah no it's definitely interesting and like you say you do trust these guys to have a plan for him and be able to use um his strengths and, and cover up his weaknesses as well because you know we've got other guys that can play the run you know Joe Bosa is amazing against the run Mosa is pretty decent against the run uh, you know, Tillery is great against the run. So you've got players there that can that can mix and match and be situational. And, you know, he's got guys we can learn from as well. So, yeah, I'm really optimistic about Chris Rumpf, actually. <laughs> and then moving on into the into the you know the depths of day three, really, you've got, you know, Brendan Hymas, Nick Neiman, uh, Larry Roundtree, Mark Webb round now on the seventh pick, uh, seventh round, sorry, ninth pick. I think, again, we've got a good plan going here. You know, we've got Hymas who... By all accounts, I mean, I don't do, you know, a great deal into him. I can't say that I watch a lot of Nebraska football or, you know, I've really paid close attention to him as a day three, you know, yeah. versatile lineman. But from all accounts, this guy can play, you know, and he's got guard tackle versatility as well. So when you're thinking about the grand plan that's been with the offensive line, he really fits in that there. And you can see exactly why they didn't bring back like of Forest Lamp and Dan Feeney now. Because if you're thinking they can bring in a Bushi Watford, was it 1.6 million or something like yeah. that? You know, you've got um, Lindsay, obviously, is the anchor. You've got now Rashawn Slater at the 13th pick. You've got this guy now. How strong does his offensive line look now? You know, yeah. and even with the likes of Norton and uh, Pipkins, who were not, not sold on as a fan base, but like, I don't think you can, you can ask for much more as a Chargers fan than this depth that we've got now. Because, you know, Balaga. He's not been able to stay fit now for a couple of years. You know, his last year in Green Bay, and obviously last year he was on and off. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Brandon Hymas start right tackle at some point in this in this season. Yeah, the, I think literally he's like a light, light replacement for Filer. Like, so if Filer goes and he has to move Filer over, you can kind of drop him wherever you want. So the what I love about it is he set a school record for forty consecutive starts. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. What we had trouble with over the course of the last God knows how long is we've had trouble with linemen standing on the goddamn field. So you've got a player here that is touch wood, <laughs> does exactly what it says on the tin. Like yeah. you've got a player that is always there. So, and he's tough, steady, reliable. It, at the senior bowl, he had a little bit of ups and downs, but he's got good anchor. And like you said, you can develop him and it, I think that him and Fyler, obviously Fyler we've got, he'll be obviously start at guard. But if we ever have injuries, bang, straight out to right tackle. Yeah. If Tumalaga. Yeah, you're right. Actually, Fyler would probably play right tackle rather than Hines, yeah. wouldn't he? But you, 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 and obviously we've got Pipkins as well, but you never, 
you might even have a guy, because he's played left tackle a lot in Nebraska. So you've got a guy that might be able to just slot in there and just say, they're going to kind of find that, look, we've been saying it for a long time, throw a few darts and see what hits. And this guy is as good as any in the fifth round. That was, it was a great, great pick. And you've got a guy that can play tackle, guard on the left side or the right side and just see how it goes. Like, he could be a very, very, very good player for us in the future. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think he's he's definitely got something there. Um, a lot about him, like you say, senior ball was was decent at times, and and like that versatility is just so valuable. And especially when you've been plagued with injuries, and you know injuries happen to everyone. It's not just the Chargers that get injuries across the offensive line, but you know if you can mix and match, you've got a lot of versatility there now. You know you've got, um, like you say, Matt Filer is going to be a bit of a, a do it all as well. You might feel sometimes, you know, and. Uh, you got some tackles there that are still developing, so you know it could all be looking up, especially you know you get the new staff in and things like that. And yeah, it could be could be looking up for the Chargers at, at the uh, at the offensive line positions. Nick Naiman looks like he's going to be a pure special teamer. Looks like he's going to be a special teams ace, to be honest with you. And it's nice to see them again, kind of going back to that plan, bringing in Ryan Smith to be a good special teamer, bringing in Neiman, bringing in Rump, uh, bringing in Larry Roundtree if he sticks around on the roster. You know, they said on his call, didn't they, when they when they drafted him, it's not going to be just offense, it's going to be special teams. You're going to have to like earn it. You know, and that that should put the bit between his teeth to to really put the likes of Justin Jackson under a lot of pressure to get his roster spot and Josh Kelly as well. You know, if if because I don't really think that either of those two have been great special teams guys. So if Roundtree is bringing decent running running game and also great special teams, then. Yeah. Again, Austin Eckler, his route to being what he is now became from exactly that. So, Roundtree was the pick that I wasn't that impressed with because I didn't think we needed a running back and you could get another special team in another position that you might be able to see a bit more in. But really happy with Neiman. You know, he's like played for Iowa and he's that he's been their special teams guy. I think we we mentioned didn't we Matthew Slater in our last podcast before the draft and yeah. we're talking about I can't remember what play you were talking about now, but modeling himself on that. It's just bringing in those guys who are just going to be that kicking game specialist and just make that unit so much better. Yeah, I think that we look at these players like Nyman and Roundtree and say, oh, linebacker, and we say running back. But I think the plan is how they're going to line up as a special teams. I think yeah. that the reason they've been picked isn't because they play linebacker or running yeah, back. They've that's very true, yeah. certain positions at special teams that they, they clearly see how, because we've been so... We've been so dog at women <laughs> special teams for God knows how long. I think look, it said over the last decade we're like 31st out of 32, like over over a 10-year period. It's not like we've been cracked for three years, we've been cracked for 10 years. So Nyman and Roundtree are there to play a specific role, hopefully, at special teams. Mm. They're gonna play certain roles. And I think that like you said, uh, Nyman's athleticism, I mean, he's four, it was a four, five, 40, I think, and a six, seven, three cone. Um, and he's got one of the best missed tackle rates as well in uh, out of all of the linebackers in, in this year's draft. So, and again, Iowa running backs coach, Derek Foster come from Iowa. You've got more information on him. I think, like you said, you've got two players there with Nyman and Roundtree. I think they, they know exactly what they want to do with them. And it might actually not be, they might not even get on the field as linebacker and running back this year. Maybe a couple of times if the player goes down injured, et cetera. Mm. But I guarantee you see him 500 snaps on the special teams and they do a very good job at doing it. So I'm hoping that the reason they've got these two guys in is because they've got exact plans of what they want to do to make our special teams go from 31st to hopefully top 10. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with them not really playing in those positions as they've been advertised as, you know, you don't get people classified as a special team in the draft or, well, at all, really, apart from, like, the really famous ones, such as Matt Slater or whoever else is kind of, you know, Daryl Stuckey was obviously the Chargers one for, for such a long time. And, yeah, I mean, it's something that needs addressing. You know, no one kind of thinks about it. But, you know, day three, these are the picks that you've got to make, you know. And like you say, you're not going to see him on defence, especially, like, you know, linebacker, pretty deep. You know, spent a first-round pick there. We've got... Obviously, Drew Tranquil coming back, Kaiser Wyatt, a couple of other guys. And then, obviously, you've got a really deep running back stable with the guys I mentioned earlier. So, yeah, I mean, if these guys can earn it and, like say, be a massive plus point in the in the kicking game and in the special teams game, then, like, it's invaluable. It really is because, it, like you say, it's been embarrassing, especially, like, the, the Patriots game last year was just just absolutely embarrassing. And you just think, well, you just can't put up with that as a, 
as a fan, as a team, for any longer. And then obviously round out with Mark Webb as safety, although he's been referred to as a defensive back, as it always is, uh, with Brandon Staley now. And he was mentioned as like a nickel. So maybe this is your guy who might replace Chris Harris um, in the future. Yeah, yeah, looks he looks a big dude. I wasn't expecting him to be as big as he is. Um, you can see that on tape, that his length and physicality shows up on, on tape. Um, they had a really good secondary, Georgia, like yeah. really good this year. So, um, um, yeah, I don't know if it really surprised me that we addressed kind of like safety this late. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Well, over- we were thinking like third round, weren't we? So. Well, yeah, I, thought, I mean, like, I really did think that they were going to address it earlier. But and there's nothing to against Webb. I think, like we said, it's how they're going to use him in as sort of that big, large nickel. Um, it how how good he is as maybe the safety that we want him to be. I think for me, it proves that they've got a lot of trust in Adley this year, that they've they've just said, right, we don't need to take anybody. We've got Derwin and we've got Nass and that, that's, that's, who we, that's who we're going to run, run the role with. So, yeah, it'd be... I'd, I heard as well that Webb grew up with Nass in Philly. So yes. Yeah, knows, I've heard that. So, um, again, familiarities again, but it might be something like that we see him as one of the deeper safeties um, with Naz. And then if Derwin does drop in the box um, and roam, like we expect him to just be causing havoc all year that you've got, because obviously Staley with that Rams deed, like two deep safeties at the point. And I am kind of wondering if you are, if you trust Naz and he's going to be one of them, who, who the other guy is, because I didn't think Gilman would, is really the guy. So it might well be Webb. Yeah, it could be. It's interesting, like you said, there's a lot of trust to put in two players that haven't had the greatest of health in their young careers to be yeah. the two guys. Like you said, I thought they might have addressed it a little bit earlier. And obviously, we did expect that, considering that's what we were talking about. But, you know, you've got a guy who, like you say, has held his own in the Georgia secondary with the likes of Stokes, with the likes of Tyson Campbell, who obviously I was big on both of them, and also Richard LeCount as well, the other safety there. At Georgia and, and you know Webb's starting there for them last year and also the previous year as well. So you're not a mug, are you? If you if you're rolling out for Georgia in the SEC against all these you know amazing wide receivers that you come up against and yep. and offensive players. So yeah, interesting to see how he works out. Not gonna lie, I don't know a great deal about him in terms of like I haven't watched great deal of tape on him or anything like that. I didn't dig that far down. Um, what you know, like I say, just going off what you've kind of heard, what you kind of read, and other people's assessments of him, like. I can't complain, you know, as a seventh round guy, you're getting a guy who, yeah, you might say, could be like I said, Chris Harris Jr. replacement in a year, or it could be a guy who contributes in some other way, like you say, playing one of this um one of this two deep shell that Brandon Staley will play. And do you know what? We've talked about in the past of how Brandon Staley is not really needed like premium picks to make his defense work, especially on the back end. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Troy, um Troy, help me out, Hill. And Darius, again, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Knew the first names, but yeah, I couldn't quite put my finger on the uh, the surnames. And obviously they were, what, they undrafted in seventh or sixth round? Yeah, something like that. So, you know, he, he doesn't need, he needs players that can, can fulfil the role and play, do specific jobs. And that is what you're looking for. Um, then you've got that guy who's obviously played, like I say, at a high level in college and, and can be able to do that. And if it translates... From the college level to the NFL level, you're not asking them to do anything too much out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Then you don't need to adjust with, with premium picks. So maybe that's an, another thing that we kind of didn't see or didn't interpret. But yeah, if it works, then it looks like a genius pick again, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think that overall, like you said, over these nine picks, you can really tell that there's some sort of plan. Like we we really wanted the franchise left tackle. We got it. We really wanted the corner. We got it. And we really, really, really wanted some special teams help. And I think we've got it. So I'm really, I'm over the moon with this draft. Like we've got great characters. We've got some really, really good value. Um, And yeah, absolutely buzzing for the season coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And obviously the next sort of thing to look at again is I guess uh, the next wave of free agency that's coming up. Obviously you get your bargaining bin players. Obviously it now doesn't count against the compensatory pick formula. So it's kind of a free-for-all again, isn't it? That's probably why you've got a lot of players left on the shelf and people like Alejandro Villanueva, who are only signing with the Ravens now, although they've probably had an agreement in place for quite a while. You know, as soon as we uh, get rid of, you know, Orlando Brown and um, 
you know, that, that can kind of swing into action as soon as this kind of deadline passes. So mm-hmm. what, what have you got any your eyes on anyone at all from that sort of next sort of batch or? Um, for me, if I'm honest, the only, obviously we, we did say that safety was an area of concern. Um, Malik Hook is still doing the rounds, which kind of would make sense with that deep safety that we're mm. after. Um, the Dolphins released Bobby McCain today. Yeah. Um, which would be a lot of people have been saying that means hooker might go to them. So, yeah. So it might be interesting if they're still that deep safety just still worries me a little bit. Like I think Naz can do it, but obviously because obviously we've, they had two deep safeties and do you want to just put Derwin deep quite a lot of the time? Like I'd rather him be in and around the box and moving around a bit, et cetera. So it, that still does worry me. So Bobby McCain would, would be really, really interesting if they got him got him in and, and see if he interviewed well and see if we can get him on that one-year deal. Um, there's also talk that maybe we could look at defensive linemen as well. Obviously, we didn't take anybody on the defensive line as a sort of like defensive tackle. Yeah. Um, so maybe you could get some some sort of experienced guy in. Obviously, we've got Limbaugh uh, there currently, Tillery and Jones. It might be that they don't they don't feel they need to address it if they've got um, if they do like some of the guys that are there that were practice squad last year and, and players like that like Bolton and stuff. So they seem to like Braden Fahoko as well, don't they? A little bit. Yeah. Well. So it would be interesting to see how they feel the need if, if one of those got. I, I still think that one of them defensive tackles might even be in and around there anyway. They could they could get a vet in if there was injuries or something that happened that they could get him in quite close to the um, mm. season anyway. So for me, it would just be more a case of looking at that deep safety, someone like Bobby McCain, or if they wanted to make their secondary absolutely amazing, there's still Steven Nelson out there, who's obviously the corner. That's I don't know why he's not signed up yet, because he was pretty decent for that Pittsburgh defence last mm. year. So, But someone will pay him. But we've got quite a bit of money left, so it depends how they want to divvy it up or if they want to try and get a... They might even think trying to get a contract extension done now for somebody and and, and front load it, yeah, and then more cap for later on. So that, that that is also a possibility that I think that if you're savvy with money, and Telesco is, pre- is pretty much like that, that you you could see something like that on the horizon. Maybe maybe not for um, Derwin because obviously he's he's got that fifth year option left, but maybe for Mike Williams if they wanted to be a bit more savvy with it that they and they want to keep him round. Mm there's always that potential there to say, all right, we'll give you what it, like this amount of money and we'll just front load it this year so it doesn't look as crippling for us in the few seasons to come. Yeah, sure. I I think I'd rather I'd rather give it to Irwin, to be honest with you. I know <laughs> I know he's only played the one year so far and things like that. And he's not been the most healthy recently, but you know, he's a transcendent player, isn't he? He's gonna make this defense tick, I think, you know, like I said before, I think he Staley wants to make him a pretty central figure. So I won't I wouldn't imagine that's too far away, if I'm honest with you. I don't think they'll they'll run the risk of him kind of being, you know, they're not obviously allowed to do too much head turning in like the Premier League or whatever. But yeah. yeah, I think I think they'll want to lock him up because I think they'll know that he's he's a special player for this defense and he's gonna he's gonna you know be a be a big big player both for the franchise as kind of almost in a kind of an advertising kind of way, you know, in the face of the franchise kind of thing on yeah. defense. So yeah, we'll kind of wait and see with that. But maybe we'll hit up um, some free agency stuff again soon. Turn our attentions back that way, and see if the Chargers can uh, can pull any deals. Yep. But yeah, no, just kind of final word really. Like you say, not the draft out the park really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm still in shock to be honest after the first <laughs> pick, and then 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 taking Rump as well. I was just like, yeah, sweet. So I'm, I I couldn't be happier. Obviously, there's players there like there might have been a couple of players that we think, oh, we'd rather go in this this direction and they didn't quite address that. But you can you can really tell from the players that they've got what they're trying to go for here. So and I'm I'm all for I'm all for helping out Herbert's protection. I'm all for trying to defend the pass and I'm all for trying to help out special teams. And that's that's kind of what this whole draft was is mm. is the the passing offense Pretending, uh, protecting the pass on defense, and um, and the special teams units, which which have not been like if you looked at why we lost a lot of games last year, is because we couldn't defend the pass. There was huge times where we give up chunk yardage in the, in fourth quarters, and we were letting games slide because we couldn't we couldn't do it. And the special teams were just horrendous, and the field positions were bad. So hmm. there's a plan here, like 
what what's our most important thing, Herbert? Right, let's protect him. Make sure our passing offense is ticking. We've got a wide, we've got a wide receiver, and we've got a tight end that can catch and block, and then we've got that can use him as a six, and then we can um, we've got some protection for him, and we've already dealt with Filer and Lindsay this off season. So they've got this plan of attack for this passing offense. Defense, we can't defend the pass. Hayward's Hayward's been going. We've got to make sure we re-sign Davis. We need to go and get these guys that can defend the pass, which they have. They've addressed edge rusher that, uh, as a like if they're going to be third and long, etc. And you've got a man, a big corner. You've got you've got Webb there as well, and then special teams, like you said, with Roundtree, Nyman. Like you've 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 literally hit everything that every Charger fan wanted. So. I don't think they could have done any more, really. Like, let's be frank, they couldn't have done much more this off season to put us in a position where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like, yeah, I mean, we've seen it with the draft um, uh, grades and things like that. Charges have been pretty consistently high in the vast majority that I've seen. So, yeah. pretty consensus. Um, another great draft, and you know, one of Tom Sasko's best, if not the best that he's had so far. Hopefully now we've got the coaching staff to put that all together, but obviously we've got to wait a couple more months for that all to be getting on the field and getting on the grass. But yeah, excited, excited to see, uh, to, for the season to start. And I feel like I've been saying that ever since Brandon Saley's been hired, to be honest with you. So yeah, like I say, maybe we'll turn our attention back towards free agency and the, the kind of putting the finishing touches to this roster. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening and we will see you next time.